It's a very special episode of Locked On Coyotes. It's the beginning of our Grow the Game series. We'll be highlighting people and organizations dedicating their time to helping grow the game of hockey right here in our wonderful state of Arizona. Our first guest, Arizona's very own Lindsay Fry. All that on today's show, so be sure to stay locked on, Coyotes. You're locked on, Coyotes. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Locked On Coyotes. I'm Robin Leonio at Robin underscore Leonio on Twitter. That is Carl Pavlik right beside me at Carl Pavlik FFH. This is a special episode, our first of the Locked On Coyotes Grow the Game series. We're going to highlight people who uh, help grow the game of hockey here in Arizona. And who better to start off with than the Arizona Coyotes radio color, color analyst, the former U.S. Olympian, still winning silver in Sochi, and the president of the Arizona Kachinas, Lindsay Fry. Lindsay, it is an honor to have you on this show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. First, so I want, I want to go ahead and start things off with uh, the easiest question of this, of this interview, and that is, does hockey belong in Arizona? <laughs> that is an easy question because it's a simple... It's a simple yes, but I, I will expand on it a bit. I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of that throughout the podcast. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. When I was growing up, uh, there were a lot of people, you know, even people that went to my school. I grew up seven minutes away from what's now Ice Den Chandler. And when I was growing up and playing, I mean, it was amazing how many kids at my school are like, wait, there's hockey here? I'm like, yeah, do you not drive down Chandler or down Ray ever. Um, so I think that there was a long time where there was kind of an educational gap. Um, obviously being in the desert, people don't immediately think about hockey in the ways that they do in Canada and in Minnesota. Um, but when you look at hockey as a whole from the time that I was a little girl to now, it's incredible. I mean, the amount of players that are now playing at the highest level. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to play in the Olympics on the women's side. We've had a number of women play Division One and NCAA or Division Three NCAA hockey, and then of course you've got Austin Matthews, uh, Matthew Nyes, who just went to the Olympics in Beijing. Um, we've had a lot of incredible hockey products come out of this state. So, in my opinion, there's no denying that it belongs in the desert. Oh yeah, and definitely a lot more teams too. Like there's the the Tucson Roadrunners now. ASU has an NCAA hockey program. Uh, things that weren't happening when I started talking about the Coyotes or even when I moved to Arizona in 2000. Yeah, it's true. There's there's a lot more available now, I think, for people to see, which is important. You know, we talk about it all the time. It doesn't matter what topic, what industry, what aspect of life, representation matters. And now you've got, you know, on the men's side, you've got multiple college teams, including the D1 team at ASU. You've got college teams at GCU, at NAU, at uh, U of A. I mean, there's men's teams at all of those places. Um, and when you're a little kid, you don't know the difference, right? You see what you perceive as high-level hockey, and you believe there's a place for me. On the women's side, now we've got the all-girls program with the Kachinas that I run. We've got the 
uh, ASU and GCU both have ACHA club women's teams. So it's, it's incredible. You know, we have little girls who are in our Kachinas program, seven, eight, nine years old. They go to an ASU women's hockey game and they want to play at ASU or same situation with GCU. That didn't happen when I was a little girl. Like I didn't know that women's hockey was a thing until the Olympics were here in 2002 in Salt Lake City. That was like my first understanding of what the Olympics were. And I was 10 years old by that point. And that's an amazing thing too, to see how, you know, just how, how far that growth has come. And um, a lot of what you do is, you know, like, like mainly since, you know, coming back from, from the Olympics in Sochi has been helping, you know, grow the Arizona Kachinas, the girls hockey program and seeing that grow, I believe, uh, like earlier this year they announced it, it it went to tier one so like they had a tier one program like all that kind of stuff and and again like a lot of that stuff that you've helped become a uh, massive part of and it's awesome to see this yeah i appreciate that it's been it's been a journey and obviously there are so many aspects of growth opportunity when it comes to hockey you know we are really trying to get um, into a lot of different areas because one of the challenges that we're having, you know, nationwide is just how do we continue to diversify the face of hockey? I mean, literally this morning we had a black hockey panel for the Coyotes where we had people from the NHL, we had people from, um, you know, different programs around the valley. We had all different, you know, African American people come and speak to us and talk about this issue of we've got to diversify. And so, you know, on my, I kind of have my two roles, well, three, but I, my, my day job with the Coyotes, one of them is the Kachina's role. And then the other is very focused in our general hockey development. And we are constantly trying to figure out ways to change the face of hockey, whether that's a, a Los Jalitos program that we've ran really targeting you know, some of those Spanish-speaking families. Um, how do we get the Hispanic community, who is such a large part of our community here in Arizona, more involved in what we're trying to do, introduce them to hockey in a way that maybe is different than you introduce it to other people. Uh, we started up an LGBTQ plus program called Pride Growlers for adults, which was incredible because um, I think what I loved about it as part of the LGBTQ community myself is I loved the fact that it wasn't just open to people in that community, it was open to allies. Because I think that piece is really important as we change the game, is it can't just be about those communities and compartmentalizing them in these little pockets. It's, it's no, we've gotta, we've gotta truly integrate with everybody and really change how this looks as a community as a whole. Um, and then of course, you know, my lane is very much focused in girls hockey, it's what I'm most um, comfortable and confident with, able to, I think, initiate change just personally with my background. And that matters too. And I think, you know, the more that we can change the face of the game, the more we're going to be able to grow the game. Um, so one of the things that really stood out when you were mentioning trying to grow the Hispanic audience is the Coyotes have uh, Luis Hernandez doing the Spanish language commentary now. Has there been a, a positive community response for that? Yeah, I think there's been a, a great response. And Luis is just, he's fantastic. I, when I'm up in the booth, I talk to him before a lot of our games. And, you know, what's really cool is just how I think engaged he is with it. 
you know, he wants to really continue to learn the sport, learn the players, try to, you know, I think because he's passionate about how do I take this story of hockey and bring it to my community in a way that they're going to, it's going to re resonate with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everything on our Los Yotes social media platforms that really highlight him and his work um, are being received very well. And I think, you know, a perfect example of him being able to take something that is very uh, tied to Hispanic culture with soccer or football is just even the way he announces the goals. You listen to the way he announces the goals versus the way like my play-by-play -play partner announces goals. It's very different, but that what he's able to do, I think is very inviting for that community, which is cool. And again, that's the kind of, and that's, and that's the important part, right? About, about, about going the game and getting everyone to get that attractiveness level and kind of be able being able to, to, uh, to get, 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 get themselves acquainted with, with, with all that. And, and, um, seeing that for me and again as, as a member of hispanic community as my, my like i you know i appreciate seeing stuff like that i appreciate seeing um as much of the growth of, that they tapped into the to the latino fan base as well as what as you mentioned too of the lgbt two community so all that stuff like that like so many communities out there that kind of like don't like uh on the surface like in the nhl you don't see it because it's it's still not there yet, but it's amazing that we're trying to grow it here. Well, and I think the importance is that grassroots, right? Like maybe we don't see it in the NHL yet, but if we put the work in at the five, six, seven-year-old level, these kids getting into hockey now, imagine what it's going to look like in 15, 20, 30 years. That's what I get super excited about because you cannot, I think when you are trying to initiate this type of change and this type of growth, you cannot be in it for the short game. Yes, there are short-term wins and small programs that you can start, but you have to be in it for the long game. And I'm proud to be part of an organization that I truly believe is in it for the long game. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Austin Matthews before and, and Matthew Naves. Uh, if you look at it, they grew up and watch the coyotes as kids and it took years to play and develop and grow until they become players themselves and they get to represent the state on that level and so yeah it just takes lots of time for for people to really grow and uh i i get some people want short-term you know responses but so often it's the long game well and i think the cool thing about where we're at right now in hockey is People take a lot of pride when they are one of few, right? They, they generally are very proud of, of their community. They're very proud of where they come from. And you feel like I genuinely feel like a person from uh, Alberta or Calgary, we'll just say, who makes it to the NHL is going to feel very differently than, let's say, a person from Albuquerque, New Mexico, who someday makes it to the NHL. That person from Albuquerque is going to feel this responsibility of, wow, I came from a market where nobody else had come from before and I made it that they're going to have that that feeling of I've got to give back. And that's kind of how it's been for me. Like I was the first hockey player, male or female, from the state of Arizona to go play for Team USA in the Olympics. I the amount of pride I feel in that, like I obviously 
we all were so proud to represent our country. But for me to be able to represent girls, women, my state, the desert, you know, states, kind of the southwestern region, um, that was huge for me. And I think the more, you know, I'm I'm so excited now we've got you know, the first uh, gay player in the NHL system who's who's out. I doubt he's the first, but he's out. And that's a big deal, right? He's going to probably feel that that want to go and make a difference. And I think that's what's really cool about where we're at right now is these change makers, these passionate people are here. They're ready to give back. And I'm just so excited to see what they do. And that goes to beyond, I'm, I'm sure beyond, um, like directly wanting to give back, obviously, um, you know, like yourself, you definitely want to directly give back, but even indirectly, um, when you, you know, when you became that, uh, first hockey athlete to go represent Arizona in team USA, uh, I'm sure you, you, again, you mentioned male or female, but a lot of young girls, especially probably looked up to you and like, I want to be like her one day. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm so fortunate to be leading the Kachinas in that way. Um, you know, we have an incredible team of people who have made it what it is. But anytime I get a little girl who like, at this point, wasn't even alive in 2014. Um, when they say that I want to play in the Olympics, like Coach Lindsay, that's the coolest feeling in the world, because you know that you've made that difference. Um, and they weren't even there to see it. They weren't even there to watch it. Uh, so you're, you're absolutely right. That's, that's an amazing feeling. And you know, what's, what's incredible about kids is it, they are so impressionable. It doesn't take a lot. I mean, like I said, our, our kids get so excited just to know that like they get equally as excited to know that their coach was a player at Grand Canyon university as they do about me playing in the Olympics. Like they don't, they don't have that perception. So they just see someone who in their mind has made it. And that that's what continues to inspire the next generation, which is so cool. We're talking with Lindsay Fry on this episode of Locked On Coyotes. We got to take a quick brief to step aside, although I hope you're enjoying this, this conversation. But first, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online, because Bet Online, uh, right now, football might be over for this season. But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to wherever the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right down to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Every time I see that, especially with how with how the Kachinas has has grown, I'm, um, and I've been I've been only been here in Arizona for six years, and like in the six years I've been here in Arizona, I like already seen the sport grow as much as I did, and I've been watching the Kachinas go as much as I can. Because again, I love I love seeing the growth of uh, of hockey outside of men's hockey because. Everyone wants to cover men's hockey. What about the girls too? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's a whole other issue is just where is women's hockey going? Um, the, I won't go too deeply into it, but like, unfortunately right now it's it's pretty fractured. There are, you know, a couple different leagues, a couple different entities. We don't really have like a true aggregate of all the best players today. And I hope that we can eventually get there because 
it's amazing how many people who I work with in hockey, we see hockey games every other night with the Coyotes, who come up to me and say, I cannot believe how good the women's gold medal game was at the Olympics. And I love that, you know, so many of my colleagues stayed up till you know, 1am watching that game. That's incredible. Um, but it's always odd for me, right? As a, as a high level female player, it's odd to me when people are like surprised at how good the product is, but that's where you get into this whole other issue of like sports business, you know, the marketing, the sales tactics, the advertising dollars, like all of that plays a role when it comes to equity in, I would say any business, but just in hockey, um, that's, that's going to be a big push. And I think the more that those of us who do work at the grassroots level can continue to grow the fan base of women's sports, um, the better off it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it on this week's episode, um, which would have been last week for the listeners. Uh, the women's gold medal game is one of those games where you do not want to miss it. Uh, and yeah, like you said, it's surprising when people don't know that because it feels like it is the worst kept secret in hockey. Like everyone should know that. And I mean, that's the fault of marketing that more people don't because all you got to do is just watch once and you're just like, oh yeah, no, this is the good stuff. Yeah. Just this every single time. All of yeah. us try to, all of us try to, uh, at the, at the locked on network, we all try to promote women's hockey as best we can, because again, like we, we, like we all, we've already known how amazing it is. And we try to, and we, and we try to do that. Um, um, I'm always proud. I carry, I, I carry this with me everywhere I go. It's got some, uh, some members of the women's team from 2018 on here. And, and I'm just like, I'm obviously, that makes that makes me proud to keep that around. But again, I, women's hockey is and is an amazing thing and it's great that like someone like you is 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 helping you know teach up young girls to eventually become you know potentially really good female athletes in hockey yeah absolutely uh so we do notice a lot more kachina's kind of um stuff in uh coyotes games and on social media now was there a concerted effort to kind of push that or was it more just kind of a, a natural response to like, Hey, we have something good going on. Let's talk about it. Do you mean the girls program specifically or just the Kachina logo? in general? Uh, The girls programs uh, specifically, because I definitely yeah. noticed that a lot more. Well, no, it's been, it's gotten incredible support. Um, I think, I think when, you know, it's obviously been a little bit of a tumultuous time. Like, I don't think any of us shy away from that with with uh, the organization and just various things that have happened over the years. Um, but I think what's incredible about what we've done, and I think just shows the commitment of our front office um, to grow the girls game and to just continue to press forward with the Kachinas over the last three or four years. Um, that's, that's just a really heartwarming story. I mean, that's the type of stuff people want to hear. They want to know that we are being like literally transformative in the youth hockey space by creating more and more opportunities for young girls. Like when I was born, there were less than 30 girls in the entire state playing hockey. And now we've got 250 in our program alone. Um, and that's, that's grown from our first year. I mean, we've only been an official program for three years, um, and we've managed to accomplish a lot. I mean, we had a team, our first 
team go to nationals last year. We've grown by a couple teams every season. We have kids in the house recreational levels. We have kids at the highest travel levels. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Robin, getting tier one, um, that that is historic. That People don't necessarily understand that. That is historic. The fact that for the first time in Arizona's history, you can come in as a five-year-old little girl and do our little Layton's Girls Learn to Play program, then go to small fries and continue to get skills, then go to our Kachina Development Program, which is our house league, then go to our elite program where you can play A hockey, then tier two hockey, now tier one hockey, and then go off to college. Like that has, that, that ecosystem, that funnel has never been complete in Arizona's history. And the fact that we've been able to do that in three years and accomplish what we've been able to accomplish, I think that's why people lock onto this story. And that's why we as an organization want to just keep beating that drum. And yeah, and, that, and that's, um, and that's, and, and again, that's why we keep, we, that's why we're trying to always hammer this kind of, this kind of stuff home because it's stuff like that, right? You know, having that kind of full on pipeline, the growth of the Kachinas, the growth of, uh, overall just hockey development here in Arizona because that's um it's been amazing yeah and as you mentioned just in the last few years how fast it's grown yeah and it's it's been I I gotta take a moment too to give credit where credit's due I mean unfortunately I don't know if you guys saw but unfortunately we lost uh Matt shot about two months ago now um and you know Matt worked for the Coyotes for nine plus years and the, the, the passion that he was able to bring as a kid growing up in the Arizona hockey system. Um, and to, I mean, you look at the, the list of things that he accomplished. I mean, almost every public school in Maricopa County has hockey in their PE curriculum because of Matt. Um, our Pride Growlers program, various things that we've done with the Gila River communities to get more Native American kids involved. Um, uh, he was my, I call him my work husband, but he was my right and my left arm in the growth of the Kachinas program. I mean, that he's done so much and our department wouldn't be what it is from a hockey development perspective without him. So I just need to give him uh, a little, a little uh, credit because he was, he was an incredible person and very passionate about growing this game. I'm to- I'm so glad you brought up Matt. I was actually um, just gonna <laughs> gonna bring him up in just a sec, but like I'm glad I'm glad you brought him uh, you brought him up and talked about the impact that he made because um, again we like we we all saw that news happen and uh, we mentioned several times I think a couple couple times on this show of uh, understanding the impact he's also made as part of the um, you know hockey hockey development in Arizona. So. Again, glad you brought him up because again, that's you know that's a big another big name. We would have loved to have him on um, if that was uh, if it was if it was ever possible, but obviously, yeah. unfortunately not. But it's um, but you would have had to do a lot of uh, swearing editing. We would just made a very special episode. It's fine. There you go. Yeah, just put a little. He would have loved that. Put a little uh, parental advisory symbol yeah. on there. Ah, definitely. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, you I'm, I'm, to... I'm sure they'll handle it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned the the growth that we've had in just three years. Like, do you guys think like what's the next three years going to look like? Like, what are the kind of future plans for for growing girls hockey in Arizona? Oh, I think about it every day. Um, you know, this next year is going to be interesting. 
we basically the way that our travel program or our elite program, we call it is broken down is our top teams are our green teams. Next level is our red teams. And then the next level are our black teams. Um, this past season, officially under the USA hockey designations, green was tier two. And then our red and black were technically considered like a or recreational. Now everybody moves up. So all of our teams are for the most part really successful in their leagues, but now we're going to the next level. So that means if you were playing at the A level last year, you're playing at the double A level this upcoming year. You same thing with if you play double A, you're playing triple A. That's a big jump. Um, and so I think it's gonna be, I think these next three years are going to be full of really positive growing pains. Um, I think our girls are gonna get humbled in a lot of ways, but with that comes development, right? With that, they're gonna get better. They're gonna understand what it takes to get to that next level to push themselves. Um, and then through just playing at those levels, they're gonna get a, a different level of exposure that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise been able to get so that they can pursue their college hockey dreams. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's going to be an interesting couple of years in that regard. And then, um, but to answer your question, you know, in three years, I want to see us, you know, well over 500 for all of our teams playing at that new level. That's kind of the goal. I think this upcoming year, like if we can get to, if we can hit 500 with our teams, maybe, you know, have some success at tournaments, that's a big win. Um, but in three years, we want to absolutely be competitive at all those levels. And then on our development side of the program or of our house league, uh, we're really excited. We there's for context for people listening, there's four rinks in town that have house leagues um, in in the Phoenix metro area. So you've got AZ Ice Gilbert, Ice Den Chandler, Ice Den Scottsdale and AZ Ice Peoria. The way that our development program works is we basically like form a team and then just put it within their house league. So they play against the co-ed teams that are predominantly boys. Um, the goal was always to have teams in all four ranks. And we are finally going to expand into Peoria this year with the Might team. And we will officially be in all four. So what I'd love to see eventually there is, all right, now they're all playing in their four ranks around town. How do we let them continue to play within their local rink league? But then can we create like a little mini league where they all get to play each other? And now it's not just, it's not just playing against the co-ed teams. It's playing against girls who are like them, which was always the mission of what we're trying to do. Are you doing the scheduling for that? Because that just sounds really complicated <laughs> and you have like two other jobs. We are, we are, uh, we have an interesting structure with a lot of, very, very passionate people. So Matt was serving as our elite hockey director. Um, we'll, we've posted to hire uh, to fill in that role, of course, with him now gone. Um, but we've got uh, an amazing board of directors, just very passionate people who want to see these girls not only become good hockey players, but be, become incredible young women. Um, and then we, for the development side specifically, my, my best friend of 20 years who I played hockey with growing up, we actually flew back and forth to Colorado together to play in high school so that we could get better competition. Um, she is our development program director. So she will be doing all of that scheduling and, uh, yeah, she, she, I, I'm not a, I'm not a scheduler. <laughs> I can, I can own my, my weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, it, 
it that's definitely a lot of growth and it sounds like there's just so much to do that like i wasn't even thinking about but yeah you are yeah now that you say that going everyone going up another level is gonna is gonna be tough uh i i can definitely imagine uh you know some tough starts and then you know you finally get in the groove uh it'll be uh you know do you guys have plans to make sure that people are able to stay engaged and grow through those growing pains because yeah it's it's a uh, fortunately at those we've got some really experienced coaches who have been through this at the boys level not every single coach but a few who i think can mentor some of the other coaches to help them support their players as they navigate this um but part of it too is just there has to be that level of belief right like our 19 u team for example this year there was a lot of concern about from parents from players about wait why are we playing a, a tier one tournament right out of the gate because we have had our teams play some some triple a or tier one competition this year just to see where they're at and you know they got they got pummeled pretty good in the first yeah. tournament at the beginning of the season but they saw they saw what the level looked like so when they came back it's a different motivation it's a different understanding at practice every day when you all of a sudden now know what you're up against um and it's just been so cool to see that team in particular and our other teams just progressively get better against that level over time and i think that's how you that's how you keep them engaged is you keep reminding them how what we're working for and they have tangible ways that they can see that which is cool that's absolutely awesome um, I want to talk to you a little bit about actually the um, just another side of, of, of hockey that you have to do, and that's your job as a as color commentator. Because I I work as a broadcaster. Um, obviously, I do this podcast. I went to school for broadcast journalism. I do a lot of, um, and um, and that's a whole other side, a whole another side of things too. Of you know helping grow the game is you know yourself as as a color radio broadcaster. People hear your voice. And get and also get inspired in that way too. I'm sure that you, there's other things that you probably that you probably heard so, several times on that as well. Yeah, it's been a blast. Uh, I kind of fell into the broadcasting world. Um, you know, obviously, just throughout my hockey career, I was really fortunate to get a lot of media training. But it was much more like in front of a camera, question and answer, very similar to what we're doing here. Uh, jumping into the booth and doing color is is very different, but it's so fun. And I think one of the things I really love about it is it it helps keep me connected to the game, which may sound odd because of all the other things I do. But like, as when I'm in my Kachina's role, like it's much more of a business hat. It's not so much a, a hockey hat. Hockey just happens to be the industry. Uh, with my radio role, like I get to talk hockey. I get to kind of tell stories about my career. I get to, you know, uh, think about, you know, what are these guys thinking about going into the locker room because I've been there. And so it, it really just, that's where I think I feel the most connected to the game and, and it's fun. And I think, you know, a lot of the players respect me for it because not that they didn't respect me before, but like now they know I'm like, I'm talking hockey about it like i have been tr i have been trusted to relay their performance to listeners and fans and uh it's been it's been really cool and i think to your question about you know has that inspired people one of the coolest things that happened after i got this gig was one of our kachina's players she was oh gosh probably nine at the time 
um, got in, in 20, this would have been 2020, it would have been 2020. She got a radio for Christmas. Like who gets a radio in 2020, especially if you're a 10 year old kid, yeah. a nine year old kid. Like that was, for me, that was the coolest thing ever. And truthfully is a big reason why I said yes to the job in the first place, because I knew that I was one of only, I think four women to ever do this ever in NHL's history and the first in Arizona. And I wanted to be able to inspire that next little girl who maybe doesn't have a clue that there's a future in broadcasting for her. So it's, it's, that has been a real blessing to be able to do that. How well, I mean, like, been... Oh, go ahead, Carl. Oh, I was just going to say like, well, oftentimes like you see male players, some of them will think like, Hey, maybe I'll go into media afterwards. I'll go into broadcasting. Cause that's a role like that. Probably like when you were playing, did that even cross your mind as a possibility? No, I, I really, I didn't even, I didn't think about it. Um, and it's interesting because where you, where I had always thought of female broadcasters in hockey was at the Olympics. And for the most part, it has been the same people for the last three Olympics. So to me, I was like, I don't have any experience in this. I, the opportunities are so slim. Like, when am I ever going to have, when am I ever going to be able to do this? So I just never thought about it. Um, but that's why I was so I was so fortunate when they approached me with it, um, because it's it's really been a, a gift and it's been so much fun and I've learned so much and now I can, you know, talk to these young girls about absolutely there's an opportunity. Um, and as women's hockey continues to grow, like one of the things that came out of this is I actually went down to Florida and uh, called a couple games for the Premier Hockey Federation, which is one of the women's hockey leagues. It's up in New England, but we do a, a remote broadcast. That never would have happened if I hadn't been been given this opportunity. I'm getting a lot more TV time now that uh, biz is getting more and more busy. Um, so it's it's really been it's really been amazing, and I think I think the coolest one of the coolest things about it has been how receptive my male counterparts have been, and and women cannot. It's very difficult to succeed in this role if you do not have an incredible uh, number of male allies around you. And I've just been so lucky between Matt McConnell, Tyson Nash, Paul Bissonnette, and then of course my play-by-play -play partner with uh, Bob Heathouse. Um, they are just, they're like my brothers and I love it. Absolutely love to hear that. And again, as someone like as someone like myself who wants to go into broadcasting as much as I can, like it's cool to see, you know, uh, you know people succeed and people, you know, have have fun with that because I listen to your broadcasts because I'm I've I've driving I live in Tucson so sometimes it's not good reception down here I don't think there's a, <laughs> you know, but I try to listen to as much as I can and just the, the dynamic between you and Bob it's just so fun to listen to and I just want to <laughs> keep listening. I so appreciate that. Uh, Heater and I obviously have you know a pretty significant age gap which I think makes it so fun because every once in a while I'll just, I'll throw little curveballs at him. Like he is so professional, so put together. And we'll talk about it being someone's birthday on the broadcast. And I'll be like, Hey, Heater, what were you doing on your 17th birthday? <laughs> He's just like, uh, well, probably to fire, but I can't, I'm not really sure. And we just, we just, uh, it's amazing. Like how important it is to have, uh, just a great relationship with your broadcast partner. And I'm so lucky that I have Peter. 
Oh yeah. I mean, even from like everyone's perspective, it's great when there's some kind of chemistry and you guys do have really good chemistry. Like totally. as a listener, it's and like. What's, what's really interesting is I, I, um, I think women are often trained to be very polished in the way that we present ourselves in the media. Um, it's how I was trained from, you know, an Olympic standpoint is these are all the things to say. These are all the things not to say. This is how you should stand. This is how you should speak. All those things. Um, and then you look at a guy like Biz, who I love and adore, but like is able to say anything that comes out of his mouth. But it was interesting because when I first came on the broadcast, I think I was a little, was a little tight. Like I was, I, I felt like I had to be in this box that I had always been put in. And what I've been so fortunate to learn from Biz, from Tyson, like I'm always going to be different than them and they're different from each other. But what I've learned is that our job is not only to uh, share the game and talk about the hockey part of it, it's to entertain people. And it's been really cool to learn from, I think, two of the most entertaining people in the business. Um, and I, I definitely try to emulate some of their behavior. <laughs> Not all. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, especially that role where it's it's very much, you know, you're providing like the player insight, but it's also more of an entertaining role versus the informational one. And on radio uh, too, because radio is very different than television. Because you know, it's so different. Um, yeah, it's and that's been a learning curve as well. Now that I'm doing both, um, radio I love. For anyone that's listening, that's interested in broadcasting, I love radio because it's so creative. Like we don't have a producer in our ear. We pretty much have full range to talk about whatever we want, whenever we want. And you know, when you're watching the game, there's especially as an analyst, like there's sometimes these kind of hidden points that you want to make that in TV, like they kind of are in your ear telling you what you're going to talk about. Um, radio is so flexible, which I think is, is fun and, and definitely allows creativity to come out. Yeah. That, um, those words are very similar to what the, uh, play by play, uh, commentator for the Arizona Wildcats has <laughs> said down here in Tucson. So, uh, it seems like the very, you know, very, uh, same sentiment. And I guess it's seems to be the case. I mean, I, I, I did college radio, so <laughs> that's how it goes. Nice. Anyways, um, I want to thank you for coming on. I, we want to give this, 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 these last few minutes, give you an opportunity to, uh, um, again, share your platform, share, um, the Kachinas, you know, tell people how they can support, the Kachinas and support um, what you do. Yeah, plug everything. Oh, gosh. All right. Here we go. Um, no, for for the Kachinas, uh, we're at Arizona Kachinas on everything. I would highly encourage you to follow, um, even if you've just got a daughter or a niece or anyone that you think would uh, be interested in that. Our social media crew for the Kachinas puts in a lot of work to just make it awesome content that no matter who you are is going to make you feel good. Um, so Arizona Kachinas for that. And then all of my stuff, um, Lindsay Fry 18, uh, it's Lindsay underscore Fry underscore 18. 18 is my Olympic number, uh, pretty much across all platforms. Um, and it's interesting. I'm making kind of this, I still am very, very involved in hockey, but like I am so interested in non-hockey related things and particularly what I've been really into as of late is this new concept called loop that is sort of my 
like lifestyle framework. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's about finding balance between your work and your personal and just investing time in the things that you actually care about. So literally just launched that this past week. So if you are not a hockey person, that's totally fine. Um, I hope to put out a lot of content that will be interesting to you. Absolutely. Lindsay, cool. th th thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, again, as a perfect start to this uh, Grow the Game series that we're doing here in uh, for, for this podcast, we are uh, excited to have more people on as much as we can, as much people who are part of the development program in, in the Valley, down here in Tucson, elsewhere in the state, because Arizona is an amazing place for hockey. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Thank you guys so much. We're going to close things off on this episode of Lockdown Coyotes. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review, like, comment, subscribe if you're yet to already. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Just search up Lockdown Coyotes. Don't forget to interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Lockdown Coyotes, on Instagram at Lockdown Coyotes, on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Leano. That's Robin with a Y underscore L-E-A-N-O. Carl Pavlik is Carl Pavlik F-F-H. Interact with us. Ask the question you might have. We can answer them on a future episode of the Lockdown Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to this episode. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on.